0: What led you to law school?
1: I can't remember. Sure you can, counselor. I was a delivery boy for a pizza parlor. One day the owner got a notice from the IRS. He was an immigrant. Didn't know much English, even less about withholding tax. And he went bankrupt, lost his store. That was the first time I thought of being a lawyer. In other words, you're an idealist. I don't know any tax lawyer who's an idealist. When he lost his store, I lost my job. That scared me out of work. No. What the government can do to anybody.
2: Hi everybody, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. That shit scared just about everybody out out there, what the government can do to anybody. Hopefully uh, you guys uh, remember that clip from a movie called The Firm. I thought uh, with what's going on this week in this country, that uh, enough enough lawyers mumbo jumbo, um, not quite answering questions directly, um, sidestepping sidestepping the truth. I thought, uh, hey, you know what? that's just about the perfect. Uh, I could have used a whole bunch of other ones, but I thought that one, that one popped into my head. That's a great that's a great scene to to illustrate it. So uh, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about today. Gonna give you in detail all the stuff that you don't have time to watch. You don't have time to watch and still keep a job. My assumption is is that if you listen to my show, that you have a job, that you have a brain, that you're not a Democrat. And if some of you Democrats snuck in and are listening today, welcome to my show. Welcome to my world. Welcome to my opinion of this world. And uh, if 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 ever we uh, our opinions. Are uh, are on on opposite sides of the spectrum. Mine is the right one. So anyway. Now that uh, now that I've got that out of the way, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. Located here in Southern California, offices all over the place, licensed both California, Arizona, and coming soon to other states. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night, area code 855-640-2020. If uh, you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you don't want me to hear your voice because you made a late payment on one of your credit cards once you don't want you don't want to have me ask you about it till after I say, "Hey, I saw your credit, you're fine or uh you don't want your neighbor to hear it though at the at your office or for whatever reason uh maybe you're just under thirty and you just don't do telephone. you only do text and emails and that stuff, uh, go to wccloans.com. That's www.wccloans.com. Have all kinds of mortgage information there for you, but uh, click on the loan center uh, tab and then click on apply now and uh, put in much information as you want me to have and let me know how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my teammates and we'll help uh, finish that, uh, give you that missing piece of your mortgage financing puzzle. Any part of the show you want repeated, go to edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. Listen to it on demand anytime. You can also uh, subscribe on uh, on iTunes, and uh, I don't know if you subscribe subscribe on SoundCloud or not, but I'm on SoundCloud, iTunes, and uh, wherever else. Uh, be sure to connect with the show on social media. Uh, Twitter. I'm my my name on Twitter is at Ed Hoffman. I tweet about current events all week long. Some weeks more than others. And like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash The Main Event Ed Hoffman. I guess I uh, didn't think of a unique enough name for my show. So it has to be the main event at Hoffman. So let's talk about the stuff that was going on this week in this country uh, that you guys <clears throat> heard a little bit about, maybe weren't completely involved in. I, uh, I I swim in this stuff. My wife, Dawn, and I swim in, swim in politics and uh, where our country's going on a regular basis. Um... Because it takes away the takes away the the attention from uh, the mortgage business that we're in, and he say, "Hey, you're a mortgage guy. Wait, talk politics all the time, because it's more interesting the mortgage business. Unless you're in the mortgage, unless unless you're in the 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 market for a mortgage, it's more interesting. But I will tell you that if you understand what's going on in this country, mortgages are easy. And one of the things that I do when I uh, I had I had a couple to my office the other day. Uh, who's uh, who's doing some financing with me, and we spent three hours on an appointment. My wife's, how do you spend three hours with one couple? Because they're doing two transactions, and they'll. Uh, I was getting to know them; they're getting to know me. I'm getting to know them. I want to know what they're doing. And by the end, by the end of the appointment, well, which way would you go? Well, this is this is the way I would go. Why? Because of some of the things that I heard them say while we were in that appointment. I have two ears and one mouth, and I assume that God put those on my head in that proportion for a reason. So I talked a lot, but I listened to more, and uh, they told me what was most important to them, and we led them to the decision that was best for them. And uh, I'm sure you'll hear more on that as we go if they want me to uh, make anything more public because its uh, I don't think their situation was anything uh, that unique to them. I think it's uh, some of the things I talk about on mortgages on the radio are things that I think are. Common to everybody who's buying houses and some of the common questions. But mostly I talk about politics. So I want to talk about what makes sense, what's going on, and uh my interpretation of it. So this week, the House Intelligence Committee held hearings to discuss Russia's alleged interference in our election. I, for one, think it's a complete waste of time because I told everybody Trump won Hillary because I voted for Trump. Of course, I voted in California, so I guess it didn't make too much of a difference because we have too many less smart people than me in this country. But some of you are listening, so you did the same, and we uh, we did our we did our best to move to move our neighbors and friends. FBI Director uh, James Comey was on the stand for more than three hours testifying. Although he answered a, some variation of "I can't comment on that" to twenty nine different questions from various members of the committee, he did confirm a few things. First, that the FBI is indeed investigating the allegations on Russian interference and collusion with the Trump campaign.
3: I have been authorized by the Department of Justice to confirm that the FBI, as part of our counterintelligence mission, is investigating the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. And that includes investigating the nature of any links between individuals associated with the Trump campaign and the Russian government— and whether there was any coordination between the campaign and Russia's efforts. As with any counterintelligence investigation, this will also include an assessment of whether any crimes were committed.
2: Not sure why we waste taxpayer money on this crap. Uh, you know, some people in the government just cannot believe that people just wouldn't vote for Hillary. Well, I think they just need to to pull their head out of the clouds or some other place where... Uh, they can't see clearly and say hey hillary's a crook hillary's a felon and let's stop talking about russia and let's start talking about what hillary did wrong and let's start doing something about that he was also asked about the unprecedented amount of intelligence leaks that have emerged since the inauguration of trump
3: i do think in the last six weeks, couple of months, there's been at least uh, apparently a lot of conversation about classified matters that's ending up in the media. Now, A lot of it is just dead wrong, which is one of the challenges because we don't correct it. Um, But it does strike me. There's been a lot of people talking or at least reporters saying people are talking to them in ways that have uh, struck me as um, unusually active,
2: unusually active. It's just a lot of people just talking. People that have information talking to newspapers, that seems to be a problem to me. One of the most talked about moments was Comey's answer to this question from Congressman Chris Stewart of Utah. Chris Stewart, I thought he was the catcher for the Pirates. Uh, Okay, well, where he he compared the Russians' hatred of Hillary Clinton to his personal hatred of the New England Patriots.
0: And knowing the Russians expected Secretary Clinton to win... Would you see that some of those things that they've done would be consistent with undermining her presidency, not necessarily because they thought Mr. Trump was going to win and they wanted to help him?
3: Again, I think it's two closely related sides of the same coin. I mean, to put it in a homely metaphor, I hate the New England Patriots. And no matter who they play, I'd like them to lose. And so I'm at the same time rooting against the Patriots and hoping their opponent beats them because there's only two teams on the field. But what the intelligence community concluded was early on, the hatred for Mrs. Clinton was, was all the way along. Yep. When Mr. Trump became the nominee, there was some sense that it'd be great if he could win, it'd be great if we could help him, but we need to hurt her no matter what. And then it shifted to he has no chance, so let's just focus on undermining her. That was the judgment of the intelligence community. Oh, I
2: don't, I don't. You know, he sure, they sure come to a lot of conclusions about how the attitude of the Russians, so they must have a lot more information than what. We know about, and uh, you know it's amazing. So they also uh, they also asked the the committee also asked Comey about the President Trump's allegations of wiretapping Trump Tower by the Obama administration.
3: With respect to the president's tweets about alleged wiretapping directed at him by the prior administration, I have no information that supports those tweets, and we have looked carefully inside the FBI. The Department of Justice has asked me to share with you. That the answer is the same for the Department of Justice and all its components.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a lot of leaks. They have a lot of information, but there's no wiretapping. I think uh, I think uh, one of my favorite parts, although I didn't see all the parts because I do have a job to do. Um, one of my favorite parts was uh, 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 Trey Gowdy going after him.
4: We're a month and a half or two months into something that you and I agree is incredibly important and also happens to be a felony. So I'm just simply asking you to assure the American people, you've already assured them you take it really seriously. Can you assure them that it is going to be investigated?
3: I can't, but I hope, I hope people watching know how seriously we take leaks of classified information, but I don't want to confirm it by saying that we're investigating it. And I'm sorry I have to draw that line. I just think that's the right way to be.
4: Whether Russia attempted to influence our democratic process is incredibly important. Whether they sought to influence it it's a separate analysis, incredibly important. The motive behind that interference and influence, incredibly response. Incredibly important. Some of that may rise to the level of a crime. Some of it does not rise to the level of crime. One thing you and I agree on is the felonious dissemination of class, classified material most definitely is a crime.
2: Yeah, there's a whole lot of crimes going on there. You know, when he asked, you know, can you assure the, the, uh, the American people that you guys are investigating? I can't, but I want you to make sure that, I want to make sure that you know how important it is to us. Can you ver? Can you can you verify for us, uh, Mister Mister Married Guy, that you don't cheat on your wife? I can't, but I can tell you how seriously I take my marriage vows. You know what? Would your wife buy that? The American people shouldn't buy. It. I know my wife wouldn't buy that. She'd she'd be uh I don't know. She'd be assaulting me, or uh, just I wouldn't see her anymore if uh, if I couldn't if I couldn't absolutely attest to that. And, you know, I can't tell you that we're gonna, but we really take it seriously. I just don't, I just don't buy that. Uh, But, and according to House Intelligence Committee Chairman David Nunes, there is intelligence that reveals surveillance of some sort. Let's do him refer to the questionable means of unmasking Trump associates who were mentioned in in the intercepted phone calls. People like Mike Mike Flynn, but also others whose names we have yet to learn as of this moment.
5: What I've read uh, seems to me to be some level of surveillance activity, perhaps legal, uh, but I don't know that it's right, and I don't know that the American people would be comfortable uh, with with what I've read. There's two issues here. Okay, there's the un- there's additional unmasking of names, which I think is. Totally inappropriate, and then you have the issue of these of the names that were that were that were put into these intelligence reports
2: so according to Comey, there's no wiretapping, but there is some kind of surveillance, so he said uh there's no survey no he said there was no wiretapping at Trump Tower, so maybe there was wiretapping somewhere else, and it happened to catch Trump Tower, but there must have been something because Mike Flynn was making a phone call from Trump Tower and everybody knows about it and they have recordings of it. So, hmm, this is peculiar. I don't know. the mystery. So, uh, and then one of the most frequently heard buzzwords this week was incidental collection, meaning that some people's names were revealed unintentionally in the course of wiretapped conversations with other targets. But listen to Nunes' reply to Fox's John Roberts about that. We knew
0: that there was some incidental collection. Because Lieutenant General Michael Flynn was caught up talking
5: with Sergey Kislyak, right. does this go beyond that, and does this qualify as the sort of wiretapping that the president was tweeting? Well, it, it definitely goes beyond uh, what happened to, to General Flynn. Now, of course, we don't we don't actually know yet officially what happened to General Flynn. We just know that his name leaked out, uh, but we don't know how it was picked up yet. Was it is you president the
1: President, was the correct
5: ball? in what he tweeted? It is. It is possible.
2: So everybody's being a little bit shifty although uh although Nunes did say that when he saw that when he saw what was going on there is some surveillance and it was disturbing to him. So it looks like there may be proof that that uh, a proof of Trump's claims after all but Congressman Adam Schiff, Democrat, idiot Uh, a guy who really likes to hear himself talk, probably more than I do, Uh, the ranking Democrat on the committee, refuses to believe there's any validity to what Nunes says until he sees the reports for himself.
5: The chairman has provided no evidence that any names that were unmasked were unmasked improperly. And, of course, without the ability for the committee to look at the intercepts, we're not in a position to evaluate whether the procedures were followed or not followed. Uh, Moreover, as I understand from my conversation with the chairman, Most of the names in the intercepts were, in fact, masked, Uh, and the chairman's concern was that he could still figure out the identities of some of the parties, even though the names were masked. Well, that doesn't mean that the masking was improper.
2: So what he's saying is, if you put all these clips together, from Comey to Trey Gowdy to, uh, to Devin Nunes, and now to Adam Schiff, is that. Uh, unmasking, so they're doing some surveillance on somebody, somebody else is mentioned in there, they're supposed to mask those because they're protecting the privacy of other American citizens. That's illegal. But Adam Schiff wants to know, well, were they were they done improperly? Were they unmasked improperly? Or were they done properly? Um, that kind of reminds me of uh, hey, you know what, somebody revealed, uh, some somehow WikiLeaks got in touch with Hillary Clinton's emails and her campaign's emails, and all we're talking about is that the Russians stole them. We don't know that the Russians stole them. WikiLeaks said the Russians—they didn't get it from Russia. Nobody's talking. Nobody's concerned with what she said, except for maybe the American people. Um, you know, because we obviously learned some things about Hillary that we didn't know, and Hillary and her her campaign that we didn't know. But they don't want to talk about the fact that number one, Hillary said these things, and it kind of kind of reveals how the Hillary campaign works, and how evil and shifty and dishonest they are, um, and how different she is in real life from what she portrays on on stage or when the cameras are going. Uh, They don't want to talk about the fact that there's no way they could have gotten these things if she hadn't been sending emails on an unsecured server, which was against the law. All we want to talk about is. The Russians are trying to influence our our election. Does any of this stuff not make sense to you guys? If you were doing an investigation of your spouse cheating on you, would any of this other stuff matter? Or just the fact that it happened? If you're doing an investigation of of who broke into your house and stole your money or stole your guns or stole your valuables, would any of this other stuff matter? Well, you know, how did they get over the back fence to break through the window to get into my house and to find my safe? And how did they rip it out of the floor? Was it properly? Did they they saw cut the concrete and lift it just right? Or did they... You know what? This is just a smoke screen, folks. Just a smoke screen. And if and if you listen closely, and if you listen closely, it sounds like what's really bothering Schiff is that Nunes briefed the president before briefing the members of his committee.
5: Chairman will need to decide whether he is the chairman of an independent investigation into conduct, which includes allegations of potential coordination between the Trump campaign and the Russians, or he is going to act as a surrogate of the White House, because he cannot do both. Uh, and unfortunately, I think the actions of today uh, throw great doubt uh, into the ability of both the chairman and the committee to conduct the investigation the way it ought to be conducted
2: yeah well adam schiff can go eat a whole can of who gives a crap uh, all that was on wednesday and thursday morning president trump was asked to comment i'm guessing schiff was ha- wasn't happy about this either
5: do you feel vindicated by chairman I, I somewhat
0: do i must tell you i somewhat do i very much appreciated the fact that uh, uh, they found what they found but i somewhat do.
2: The audio was kind of bad on the on the question so if you haven't seen this already on TV they were asking if uh, Trump felt vindicated by the fact that Nunes said that there is some some there was some surveillance and uh and of course he said somewhat do because he didn't he didn't really say that they that they wiretapped Trump Tower yet. Also on Thursday Sean Spicer was asked about the developments during the Daily Press briefing. Things got heated when NBC's Peter Alexander asked him why does the White House believe it was appropriate for Chairman Nunes to come to the White House and give this information to the president regarding the investigation about the president's own associates during the campaign. Here's Spicer's response to the media caring, media caring more about whether Nunes was helping Trump than whether the future president's associates were under surveillance. But there seems to be this obsession with the process.
1: You know, how did he get here? When did he go? What was the reaction? At some point, there should be a concern about the substance. That's a very serious revelation that he's made about what happened during the 26th election with respect to our side. And some of the things that happened. And at some point I would implore, urge, beg some of you to use some of your investigative skills to look into what actually did happen, why did it happen? What was going on back there, who knew what when. But I think that there should be a similar concern as opposed to figuring out whether he took a skateboard or a car here to exactly what happened and why it happened. And the reality is, is that whether he briefed us first or he briefed uh the, the, the Democratic members, and that's up to him to decide. The substance of what what he shared should be troubling to everybody, and that's that's what I think is the important thing.
2: I think he just said exactly what I said. Hey, let's keep our eye on the ball. Reminds me of a scene from the American president. Hey, you know what? Uh, we just bombed uh, this uh, this seastad thing in uh, Libya, and uh, we bombed this building after they blew up our uh, our our communication thing. Hey, where where were you with your date in the White House at the time, you know? Where you did she spend the night? Hey, you know what? A lot of people died last night. Let's keep our eye on the ball, you know, and just you know what? The people the people in Washington D.C. and in the in the uh in the media just def- just deflect things so that you don't pay attention to what's important. It's scary, folks. It's really scary. Hopefully uh hopefully you don't have to listen to me to get this same impression. But if you do, just keep on listening because I'll keep on keeping it straight for you. So uh, next, uh, Neil Neil Gorsuch, the nominee for... Uh, the Justice of the Supreme Court uh, endured four days of hearings this week as part of the Supreme Court confirmation pro- uh, process. Of course, the Democrats on the, ju- on the Judiciary Committee are bent on blocking Gorsuch's nomination to retaliate against the Republicans for blocking Obama's nomination of Judge Merrick Garland last year. Here's Diane Feinstein, Patrick Leahy, Dick Durbin, and uh, my favorite, Al Franken.
5: I am concerned when I hear that Judge Gorsuch is an originalist and a strict constructionist.
3: I do not know of any other Supreme Court nominee who is selected by interest groups, rather than by a president in consultation with the Senate as required by the Constitution. Cases like Trans-Am trucking, it was so cold, it was 14 degrees below.
1: Not as cold as your dissent, Judge Gorsuch which argued that his firing was lawful. Judge Gorsuch, having reviewed your decisions and your writings, I have concerns. But if pass is truly prologue, then I fear that confirming you would guarantee more of the same.
2: So if you watched any part of these hearings, you saw the the Democrats taking shots at Gorsuch to try and, try and um, insult him or... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to use that word besmirch that Hannity uses after Obama was using it all the time. So I don't want to use that, but, but, to to make him look bad because they disagree with some of his decisions when in fact he, he, in, he continually pointed out that as a judge, his personal decision, his personal beliefs and his personal opinions are not supposed to come into that. And that, um, and that he's supposed to, that the, the Supreme Court, or being a judge, you're supposed to judge based on the letter of the law, and the law says this, and if, and, if it's, uh, and if the law is not just, or if there's something that I disagree with on the law, then it's not my place to, to change it. That's the Congress's job. You know, I'll have to play that how a bill becomes a bill thing from that Saturday morning thing. You know what? So you could so you could learn. But you know what? Changing the laws is Congress's job. The House creates a new bill or changes the law and then they all vote on it. Then it goes to the Senate and then the Senate votes on it or they make adjustments. And then it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth till they get it to where everybody agrees on it. Then it goes to the president and he either signs a veto or he signs it and it becomes law. That's how it works, folks. Folks. The judges don't do that. I'm going to talk about that specific case that they're talking about, Trans Am Trucking, when I come back, but I'm all out of time for this this half of the main event. So stay tuned for five minutes of track, thick weather, and commercials, and I'll be right back with part two. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. If you're looking for mortgages, I'm probably not going to talk much about it because there's today. But if you're looking for a mortgage, you need some uh, financing to uh, get involved in sending the fantastic opportunities that are real estate. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. If I sound like I make sense and I think like you and and all you're looking for is some common sense when you're trying to finance your house. Hey, you know, it's a big, big, dead gum deal. You know, you're getting a big loan. Interest rates are still pretty good. They probably won't stay there for the rest of the year, but they're still pretty good. Uh, houses are still pretty decent price. They're going up. They're going up because inventory is low. And, you know, why are they going up, Ed? It's, well, remember in third grade when you learned how about this thing called supply and demand? When the demand's high and the supply is low, the price goes up. Okay. When the supply is high and the demand is low, the price goes down. It's pretty simple. It's a pretty simple concept. I could uh I could uh bring on some real estate economic experts to tell you why it's happening, but it really comes down to supply and demand. You know what uh my my way of thinking is if I break everything down to common sense, if I tell you how the mortgage business works when I'm doing a loan for you, if I explain the ins and outs of, you know, how money works, you'll know the decision to make. And if I break down the common sense of what's going on in this country, you'll understand what's going on. And uh, because most people just don't take the time to think about it. So I'm breaking it all down for you. So before the break, we were talking about Neil Gorsuch, the uh, pending uh, Supreme Court justice to replace uh, Antonin Scalia, who died about, I don't know, last. uh, It was about a year ago, wasn't it? I think it was last March. We were in Mammoth at the time. Don always mentioned that hey, whenever we're in mammoth when somebody when somebody important dies, we're in mammoth for some reason. So uh happily the ski season, uh, although there's tons and tons of snow, it will be ending soon for those of you that are worried about dying, because uh we'll probably wrap it up here in the next uh I don't know, month, month and a half. So if you can just survive that, then we'll go through the summer and we won't have to worry about people dying. So uh we were talking about uh we were talking about Niels Gorsuch and uh, all our friends questioning him questioning him about decisions he's made as an appellate judge and interpreting laws rather than making judgments on whether the laws are wrong or right. So when people say, hey we want we want someone who's going to uh, not try to legislate from the bench, what they're talking about is not trying to create new laws from the from cuz that's not their job from the from the judge's bench they're not supposed to create new laws they're supposed to interpret existing laws legislation is done in the congress hence the legislation the legislative branch as opposed to the executive branch and the uh the ju- judicial branch of government you know the three branches of government you guys are starting to go oh 7th grade 8th grade social studies i'm starting to remember back some of these terms I haven't thought about it since eighth grade, and I'm 92 already. Okay, so let's talk about this Trans Am trucking thing. So, uh, so uh, Trans Am trucking was was all about some guy named Alphonse Madden, a Trans Am truck driver who t- was terminated in 2009. Two of the three judge hearing two of the three judges hearing the case in Colorado's 10th cir- Circuit of Appeals concurred with Madden that he shouldn't have been he shouldn't have been fired. And uh, Judge Gorsuch dissented. So here's the facts of the case. So Madden was driving his tractor trailer on I-88 in Illinois one night in January, and uh, at 11 o'clock, Madden pulled to the side of the highway and said he was unable uh, he was unable to find the Trans Am mandated fuel station. He was almost out of gas. When he attempted to pull back on the road, he discovered the brakes on the trailer were frozen. So now he's got now he's dragging a trailer with wheels that won't turn because the brakes are frozen. Madden reported the frozen brakes to Trans Am, and was told that the repair person would be sent. While he's waiting for the repair person, the temperatures uh, dropped down to 14 below zero. Madden discovered that his bunk heater wasn't working, and he eventually fell asleep, and the truck was awakened at 1 a.m. by a phone call Was told that he, and was told he sounded slurred and disoriented. So for those of you that ever been falling asleep in 14 degrees below zero, that's a problem. And uh, Madden sat up. He realized his torso was numb and he could not feel his feet. So Madden told the supervisor he was leaving to seek help. And the supervisor said not to leave the trailer, instructed him to either drag the trailer with its frozen brakes or remain with it until the repair person arrived. Madden did not follow either instruction. He instead drove off in the truck, leaving the trailer unattended. The repair repair truck uh, arrived less than 15 minutes later after, Adam, uh, after Madden left and uh, Madden drove the truck back to the trailer, met with the repair person, he was later fired for leaving the trailer unattended. Let me let me play a clip and let Al Franken take it from here.
1: I'm going to do a terrific show today, and I'm going to help people, because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Oh
2: wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait. The other Al Franken clip. Okay.
1: Gets fired. He gets fired. And the rest of the judges all go, that's ridiculous. He shouldn't. You can't fire a guy for doing that. It was it was there were two safety issues here. One, the possibility of freezing to death. Or driving with that rig in a very, very undane, very dangerous way. Which would you have chosen? Which would you have done, Judge? Oh, Senator, I don't know what I would have done if I were in his shoes, and I don't blame him at all for a moment for doing what he did do. Um, I I empathize with him entirely. Okay, just you've... We've been talking about this case, don't you? You, know, you haven't decided what you would have done? You haven't thought about for a second oh, what you would have done in this case? I, I thought a lot about this case. Because and I, what would you have done? I totally empathize and understand. I'm asking you a question. Please answer questions. Senator, I don't know. I wasn't in the man's you, shoes, but I understand you why You don't he know did. what you would have done. Okay, I, I tell you what I would have done. I would have done exactly what he did. Yeah, I understand. And I think everybody here would have done exactly what he did. And I think that's an easy answer. Frankly, I don't know why he had difficulty answering that.
2: And again, he continues, he continues to to beat him up over why can't you answer it cuz that's not his place. He's a judge. He's not a lawyer arguing the case for the for the guy who got fired. He's a judge and he's interpreting the law. And uh he, and what he wrote in his dissent was, indeed his employer gave him the very option. The statute says it must. Once he voiced safety concerns, Trans Am expressly, and by everyone's admission, permitted him to sit and remain where he was and wait for help. Gorsuch wrote the trucker was fired only after he declined the statutorily protected option, refused to operate, and chose instead to operate the vehicle in a manner he thought wise, but his employer did not. It wasn't a question of was that a smart thing? The the trucker was sitting there and he had a choice of of uh, of do what his employer said. Or possibly freeze to death was that a fair was that a fair, fair option? uh probably not it wasn't it probably wasn't fair for the it probably wasn't you know, I probably would have done the same thing. I would have hey just or maybe just run the engine cause they said his bunk heater didn't work, of course, I don't know all the all the rest of the facts of it, but based on what i what i've read about it his bunk heater didn't work so if you think about a big rig truck has a bunk behind it so when you're doing long haul truck driving you can you can stop at the side of the road and and take a nap so you don't have to get a uh, hotel room so his but his bunk heater was broken it wasn't working i bet you if his truck was running the truck heater ran oh but he was almost out of gas okay that's the reason because he couldn't keep the engine running cuz he's almost out of gas Okay, I've convinced it. I've, I've, uh, I've sold myself here by talking it out, so that that's where he he uh, let, left himself. And he could have driven off and ran out of gas and been been in the same situation, except for now he was away from the trailer. So there's a lot of a lot of reasons why the employer would say, "Hey, this was not a well, not a wise decision," but that's not Gorsuch's position. He's a judge. Was it within the Employer's uh, legal right to fire him if they wanted to. Yes, it was. So again, morons in the Democratic Party, specifically moron like uh, like uh, Al Franken, who should go back to writing for Saturday Night Live because he was funny. But he's just not much. Well, you know, I know I'm not a lawyer, but there's one of the other lines he said. I know I'm not a lawyer, but I've been I've been sitting in on these committee meetings for like seven years already. Okay. Okay, but Gorsuch's been a lawyer for like and a judge for like thirty years. Hmm. Okay, Al Franken, you're the you're the authority. Not. So let's talk about the health health care bill, which seems to be uh seems to be changing as as I'm recording. House Republicans continue to battle each other over the passage of the American Health Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare replacement bill, also known as the uh, Trump Care, also known as Obamacare Light also known, in my eyes, as a as a bill that shouldn't pass. There was supposed to be a vote on Thursday, but Paul Ryan canceled his press conference once it was determined the votes weren't there. Largely in part to 25 members of the House Freedom Caucus, indicating they would vote no on the bill. As of right now, well, as of right now, they didn't vote because it just got pulled, but I'll talk about that as we go forward. If you watch the show The Circus on Showtime, you got to see about one minute of the closed-door meeting that Rand Paul had with the Freedom Caucus which uh, likely played a role at their unwavering opposition to the bill. Senator Paul started by passing out copies of Donald Trump's classic book, The Art of the Deal, which if you don't have, you should read. Uh, here's the circus. I want you
5: all a gift tonight, The Art of the Deal... I do think that it's important as we go into this that we realize we have enormous power. Actually, you guys have enormous power if you stick together. I put up a quote from the Art of the Deal that I thought was appropriate. The worst thing you can possibly do in a deal is to seem desperate to make it. That makes the other guy smell blood, and then you're dead. When we were at the White House the other day, we heard that they're already giving. Oh, we'll give you this, we'll give you this, we'll give you this. So you have to decide do you like the bill or are you with some of us and thinks that we ought to do a clean repeal?
2: Okay, in my opinion, I'm one hundred percent side by side with Rand Paul on this. There they should not vote this thing in, and they shouldn't they shouldn't vote for a bad deal. They'd rather have no, we we should have no deal. Quite frankly, I think the repeal and replace bill should be thrown out turn it into two bills, repeal and replace, and and, a, and pass the repeal bill. This is my opinion. You could say, hey, the repeal bill passed, and we're going to repeal Obamacare as of January first, 2018. That gives us nine months to either come up with a bill that makes sense or don't. And my favorite is don't. Don't come up with a bill because the government doesn't need to be involved in our health care. Remember, folks, the government doesn't need to tell us what we can eat. They don't need to tell us how many hours we have to sleep. They don't need to tell us everything that we can do or don't do. They need to protect us from our foreign enemies and they need to enforce the laws. And then they need to get out of our lives and let the free market capitalism and the free market and the free Americans do what we do. Let human let human behave, Let human human nature take its course. The circus host, Mark McKinnon, a veteran strategist of five presidential campaigns, said this after the door closed on him.
5: This is how things get done. This is a very good example of inside wheeling view. That's what the interesting thing about being in that room and getting behind the curtain. We saw enough members in that room to kill the bill. Very significant.
2: So if you couldn't really understand that, he said, this is how things get done. This is a very good example of the wheeling and inside wheeling and dealing. The interesting thing about being in that room and getting behind the curtain is that we saw enough members in that room to kill the bill. Okay? That's how it works. That's how it's supposed to work. You know, but the last 8 years we endured Obama talks to Valerie Jarrett and Valerie Jarrett talks to Obama and Obama talks to the gets on on TV on TV and makes a speech. Actually, Obama gets on TV and reads a speech off of a teleprompter. We don't know who wrote it. we don't know what he really thinks about it because when he doesn't have a teleprompter, he doesn't talk so clear and he doesn't talk to anybody. He golfs with it he golfs with, uh, with his with his with uh, his hip hop music friends and his Hollywood friends and he golfs with his buddies, but he doesn't spend any time talking to senators or or uh, uh, representatives of the House of Representatives because that would be working. And that would be doing what he's supposed to do, and that's called communicate. We have the house and we have the we have the House and we have the presidency we have the House and the Senate and the president and that's how you make make laws and and legislate in this country, but somebody has to initiate the communication and it has to be the president so as the week went on, it turned out he was right, but as of Wednesday, as of Wednesday, Paul Ryan was in front of the camera saying things like this. We
1: are in the fourth quarter of, of the House passing this bill. That's when a lot of uh, negotiations really intensified near the end of the process. And that's what this is. This is called legislating. And so there are people who want to get various provisions in the bill. Uh, but what's important for us is we have to broker compromises to make sure that we draft legislation that can actually pass.
2: You know what? Uh, Paul Ryan, who I, who I think is a very intelligent guy, his in my opinion, his political career is, is, is circling the drain right now. The toilet has flushed, and he just hasn't gone down the drain yet, because he's making himself look like an idiot on this. Because, well, this is our only chance to repeal Obamacare. This is as close as we're ever going to be. Wrong. I don't agree with that, and I know some people here locally that think that we're never going to get rid of the uh, the 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 couple things that they want to leave in there. That we're not going to. We're going to leave leave in the bill that. Insurance companies can't have a can't uh, decline you for for uh, pre existing conditions. That's the essence of insurance, folks. And the argument is that we no longer are an insurance. The the health care won't be insurance. It's a health care bill. It's not a health insurance bill. Well, that means we're going socialism, folks. Socialized medicine. And uh, for those of you that are going to school, those of you over at Loma Linda that are going to school to be a doctor. Uh, I know you got hellacious uh, student loans that us government, us, uh, us uh, taxpayers are gonna are are footing the bill for, and uh, you got hellacious te- uh, uh, student loans, and let's see, you got twelve years of h- up to high school, and then four years for a bachelor's, and then what, three or four years in uh, medical school, then you have a residency and internship and all that stuff, and you basically give up your life till you're about I don't know. 38 or 40 before you actually get to start making money. At that time, you should be able to make money. That ain't going to happen if we socialize medicine. So, uh, Thursday night, Trump said, Hey, we're done negotiating, done negotiating on Thursday night. Uh, let's vote. Let's vote. So it's supposed to go to vote on Friday. Um, when things started to look bleak Thursday morning, which also happened to be the seventh anniversary of the passing of Obamacare, Someone who looked like Nancy Pelosi but sounded like uh, the Wicked Witch of the West from, uh, from, uh, from Wizard of Oz uh, may- said this.
5: So eager were they to, I don't know, to be mean-spirited to say, we're going to bring up this bill on the same day as the seventh anniversary of the Affordable Care Act. Rookies there, Donald Trump, He may be a great negotiator rookie's error for bringing this up on a day when clearly you're not ready (laughs)
2: i'll get you my pretty, and your little dog too you know what oh how how mean spirit is that to to want to pass this on the on the anniversary of you know what hello how mean spirit it was it seven years ago to say we have to pass the bill so you could see what's in it nancy pelosi She could go eat a, she could go eat a whole can if I don't give a crap either. So, and then as of Friday morning, as we're recording, uh, the bill was pulled from the floor. I was thinking it was going to get voted on and it was going to not pass, which is my, is, is my, uh, as I've said many times on here, change the whole bill to repeal and replace two bills. One repeal, one replace, and then don't then pass the repeal. Don't repass. Don't pass the replace. And in the nine months until the repeal goes into effect, put in uh, put the insurance companies to work creating that menu of options that we used to have for uh, for insurance for insurance. So if you didn't want to spend your life savings on insurance. Uh, because your life savings were zero, and you're twenty three years old, and you're ten feet you're ten feet tall and bulletproof, you never get hurt, you never go to the doctor, and when you get sick, you wipe your own nose and just stay home from school at in your bedroom at mom's house uh you don't want to pay pay a hundred dollars a month for insurance that you're never going to use, then you don't have to if you want catastrophic plan. Because you're, because you realize that if you get in an accident or something while you're drunk at a frat party, and uh, you crash your car into an oncoming truck or something, uh, or you know somebody's uh, somebody's store or into somebody's bedroom, you want to at least be covered. Make sure that you have health care coverage for that. Or if you happen to get a disease or something, or you need an operation, um, you want to have catastrophic coverage. And if you go to the doctor, uh, you'll pay for it. Oh wait. When you're 23, you don't go to the doctor. You'll just endure the pain of the sniffles. So that's your option. This is a free country. And then, you know, the rest of us, the rest of us that didn't need Obamacare to teach us how to, how to, how to, uh, hey, you know what? I'm going to prescribe some puffs because you've been blowing your nose a lot and it's starting to get red. You need to get some of these puffs tissues because they've got lotion in them. So they're smoother and have a doctor to pay for that. And, uh, Hey, the doctor bills, uh, bills, the insurance company, the insurance company, pass it on to the taxpayer. I don't know if that sounds stupid to you, then obviously you think like me. So, uh, happily, happily, they pulled the bill. So Trump's playing a little politics here. Let's talk about a couple other things that happened in this country. Happen in this country, or let's happen in the world this week. Let's start with London. Let's start with London. London attack. Uh, police investigating the deadliest terror hit attack hit to the to the United Kingdom in twelve years. Uh, named the perpetrator Thursday as fifty-two year old British man, a fifty-year-old British man named Khalid Masood. He sounds like a British guy. So I would have thought he's from I don't know Scandinavia or Norway. Blonde haired kind of dude, except for uh, when I see the picture of him, uh, he's got dark hair and uh dark complexion with a beard and no mustache. Which if you don't know what that means, that means he's Muslim. So uh four people died. I thought it was I thought it was like up to nine people now. So initially there's like three people. So this guy drives his truck into a crowd somewhere near the Parliament building in uh downtown London. Gets out and starts stabbing people. And uh, this uh, this wonderful pillar of strength in the community um, got killed by the cops. And uh, I just couldn't wait. I said, I can't wait to see what this guy looks like. I wonder if he's got dark hair and dark skin and, uh, and a beard but no mustache. Sure enough, while I was working, Don was watching TV on the news and making sure that I was... She texted me a picture right off the TV as soon as I got it, so I could, so I could be quickly vindicated in my prediction that he would have dark hair and a beard but no mustache. So he uh, looked like an ISIS guy. So uh, four people died in the attack initially, including a fifty year old fifty-four-year-old Kurt Cochran of Utah who was in London with his wife for their twenty-fifth anniversary. So hey, more Americans dying, folks. You know you idiots out there that are behind that idiot in Hawaii that stopped the uh the travel ban and the immigration ban or the idiot in in Maryland that did it, or the idiots in the other states that did it. Hey, you know what this is America. we have the right to live, and we have the right to uh to protect ourselves. These guys are coming here. Europe is done europe is done if you if you watch some of these uh statistics things, you know a society has to have 2.1, two point one two point 2.1 kids per family in order to just continue to exist. Europe Europe their average across the whole continent is 1.3 kids. So people aren't having kids and they have open borders. So all these muslim people are 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 uh, are immigrating into into Germany and Belgium and France and in uh, uh, England and all these countries, and their average is eight kids per family. What do you think is going to happen ten years from now, twenty years from now? The whole continent is going to be Muslim, and then when you're not Muslim, they're going to cut your head off. Let's leave the let's leave the borders open in our country and see what happens. Okay, most of most of us listening probably aren't kids anymore, but tell your kids, tell them to wake up because this stuff is coming. This stuff is coming. Next, you see the 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 thing in uh, in uh, two illegal immigrants that rape some fourteen-year-old kid in uh, I think it's Maryland, um, and, uh, a 17-year-old and a seventeen-year-old and a from Guatemala and an eighteen-year-old from El Salvador or vice versa. Go in and into a they put him in school and they rape a freshman in the bathroom. So I don't know. These kids have been in the country for a year. They came in the country when Obama said, "Hey, these uh, uh, band these kids with no parents that come over, they uh, they look like kids. We let them in, and then we distribute them all over the country, and then they raped one of our little girls and and damaged her for life." Hey, anyway, wake up, guys, wake up! This is America. Let's protect Americans and let's protect ourselves and keep our country great for our kids. Anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event.